just now in New Hampshire. The official endorsement, we're seeing it right there up on the screen. What did the former president tell you when you guys were backstage? Look, we had a great conversation. I actually prefer to talk about policy rather than politics, Jesse. And so we talked about a number of issues backstage, which I've actually championed in this race that I do think would be beneficial to the America First movement for President Trump to take on. And I think he was very amenable to many of them. Opposition to a central bank digital currency. Talking about certain pardons that I think we need on day one. Julian Assange included on that list. And so I'm not a politician. I'm a businessman. But I'm also somebody who cares about the details of policy and commitments. And so we had some great conversations backstage about that. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. I just got back from Idaho. Six days in sub zero weather i'm from san diego and miami this was nearly lethal for me so i hope that you appreciated it uh, i was embedded with both the timcast crew as well as uh, luke and myself for the bestpoliticalshow.com as well as at vivek ramaswamy's hq for the vast majority of it so it was a a very interesting experience a uh, painful one in terms of the weather but super inspirational and I know a lot of people have really deep-seated doubts about Vivek Ramaswamy, and I wanted to give kind of my first-hand experience with him and, you know, just take it for what it's worth. It's one, one person's opinion, but I know everybody wants to know, is this guy too good to be true? Is he? Well, obviously time will tell on, on that front. Uh, but first, I want to address that clip. This is, this is the Vivek I know, you know, the guy that that given an opportunity to talk to Donald Trump, he would absolutely be pivoting towards, you know, their differences, their disagreements, because I think that he is interested, seeing as he dropped out as soon as he came in fourth in Iowa, he dropped out and immediately endorsed Donald Trump. I think that he's he's been angling and continues to angle to be somewhere in Donald Trump's cabinet. I don't know if it's vice president or AG or head of some department just given a special task force where he can actually uh, assist in implementing some of his policy positions but i think that's exactly what you would want to hear from him is that when given the first opportunity to have a face-to-face -face with donald trump he immediately brings up julian assange he brings up their differences of opinion when it comes to what to do about the fbi when it comes to headcount uh you know decreases as he is popularized 75% headcount uh, decrease across all federal agencies. That's enormous. I mean, for, for those that are in the libertarian community that have, have wondered why I'm so pro Vivek, well, that's, that's it. I mean, that's it right there. That's, that's an enormous, enormous step in the right direction. 75% uh, headcount uh, decrease would be unbelievably unbelievably positive for this country so that's the main reason uh, also his fight against dei and esg amazingly important task to take on and one that requires a level of intellect and understanding of how this was implemented in, in the first place for it to be unwound donald trump simply does not have the tools to do so he does not understand why academia is teaching what they're teaching he really doesn't uh, vivek does I've read his books. I know exactly what he does about this issue, and he's right. He has it right. So there's many reasons that I'm I'm pro him, but you know, obviously, I didn't get a ton of FaceTime with him 
Uh, this was the home stretch of the Iowa caucus and he didn't have much time to spend with people. Uh, he even canceled his Timcast IRL appearance on Monday night. So very, very busy guy. Uh, but just to give you guys a, an understanding of why I'm so impressed with him, he spent probably, well, first off, he spent over $10 million of his own money. That's impressive in its own right. That shows dedication to what he's doing in a way that very few people are willing, especially given that it was a long shot, uh, you know, bid for the presidency. That's, that's pretty impressive and, and kind of quantifies, you know, how committed he is to this. Uh, but what was more impressive to me than that was his work ethic. I, and I, I say this with no hyperbole whatsoever. He spent from 6 a.m. usually until past midnight talking and traveling and meeting people and doing interviews. Did you hear what I just said? That's over 18 hours per day for months. That's what he did. I have, I, my, my dad is a, is a massive workaholic. He, he worked probably 12 hour days, my entire childhood. I have never in my life seen someone work as hard as Vivek Ramaswamy, never in my life. And it's really not close. I've also worked with tons of multimillionaires, uh, you know, when I, when I ran a mortgage company and none of them, none of them work like this. I, it's, it's superhuman like no, no exaggeration whatsoever. I don't, I do not understand how he was doing it. Even on the road, he would be on the phone doing, you know, podcast interviews or, uh, hits with the media. And we're talking negative temperatures too. So like, I know everyone from the Midwest doesn't think that's a big deal. And you know, from your perspective, maybe it's not from, but from, from my perspective, I was mind blown. Almost every other GOP political candidate in Iowa just stopped. They were like, this is insane. On, I think it was on Saturday, maybe it was Sunday. I can't remember which day, but it was so cold and the conditions were so dangerous that the, the state, or at least the county that they were driving through, canceled all EMT, all police services, all roadside assistance. There was no government standing. It was all shut down. So on their drive out there, they were going three hours each way for one of his hundreds of stops that he did in Iowa. There was absolutely no one that was going to come and save you if your car broke down. No one. And they just kept going. Driving on ice with cars littered across the road after having spun out on the ice and slamming into the snowbank. And they would just sit there. The cars would just be left there. It was like, it's like Mad Max, but, uh, Antarctica edition. It was amazing. So this guy does this for weeks and weeks on end. And I'm talking fully unscripted ad-libbed interviews with every single news agency or podcaster under the sun with different voters of different political stripes, answering their questions openly and honestly all the time for 18 hours a day for months <laughs> as, as a professional speaker, I can't fathom it. Like it's not so much that I would have a hard time telling the truth for 18 hours a day. It's all just keeping your brain on and engaged for, you know, if I do five hours of shows in a day, 
I am totally worn out just because like I'm, I'm a very attentive listener when I have a guest on or if I'm on someone's show or if I'm just doing one of my shows. It requires a level of you know deep thought and intensive listening that is taxing. It's just taxing. I know it sounds like if you're if you're a construction worker, you're like, oh, that's not hard. that's not hard. Trust me, <laughs> if you're having a conversation that you're actually like in tune with, that you're actually paying attention to, a very very taxing thing. Anyone that's in this arena would tell you the same. So for him to be doing that well over twelve hours a day, I don't understand how it's possible. I don't. And when you look at his his background, having a biology degree from Harvard, having a law degree from Yale. Uh, you know, starting multiple companies, starting a biotech firm, starting a, a hedge fund, essentially, um, working for a hedge fund before that. He's 37, 38 years old. It's just, it's just unbelievable. And I completely understand why people are skeptical of him. I, I mean, as I've said many times, you should be skeptical of all politicians. The, almost, almost all of them are liars. And the vast majority of them are only interested in doing any of this for their own self-aggrandizement, their own ego, their own advancement, their own wealth, whatever. But there are exceptions. And I'm not saying definitively that Vivek is one. He is an exception in terms of work ethic. That is undeniable. Not an exception. He is now the rule on, on what it means to be an overachiever, on what it is to, to work for your most lofty dreams. I have never seen anything like it and I will never forget it. It was so inspirational. I, I was nearly speechless watching it. And it, and it has inspired me to, to do more, to go harder, to, to pursue with reckless abandon what I'm most passionate about. That, that lesson will never leave me. And I, I hope that it, it transfers over to you in your day-to-day -day life that you go, oh my God, like if you think you're working hard, you aren't. <laughs> if you think you're turned on and engaged, you're not. This man is is on another level. Uh, Candace Owens talked about it. Mike Cernovich talked about it. Luke and Tim and everybody else has talked about it. They are not lying to you. It is very, very special. Now, to get back to whether or not he should be believed, Vivek absolutely changed a ton of his opinions after 2020. And many of us did that. So, that in its own right doesn't mean that what he's saying today is a lie or scripted or molded to what people want to hear, but it happens to be what people want to hear. So you should be skeptical of it. Is he, is his, is his turnabout when it comes to his view on what happened on J six or the election of 2020 or masking or the entire COVID era? Like, is that, is, is that a genuine shift? because the political winds have taken him there? Or is it a real one because he's one of the most studious and hardworking individuals on earth and he's seen the light? I don't know. That's really a TBD. But I will say this, the vast majority of politicians, when they are on the campaign trail, when they're doing media hits, they, they want to have questions in advance. They want to know you know, the audience that they'll be speaking to so they, they can sculpt their messaging to be favorable towards that audience. They will only accept interviews from friendly news outlets, oftentimes, or mainstream ones. They will, they will do everything in their power not to be challenged on their weaknesses, 
on areas where they've sold out or, you know, fallen short. Vivek never did that. He did thousands of interviews over the past six months, including myself and Dave Smith and Tim Poole and I'm sure a thousand other small shows that you've never heard of. I mean, it was nonstop. To, to do that and to be lying the entire time would be a level of sociopathy that verges on you know psychosis. And could that be him? Sure. I mean, there's he wouldn't be the first politician to be that. But there has never been a politician that has done the the media hits and taken the unscripted questions and just accepted all comers for months on end and lied the entire time. It's never I mean, you've never seen it. So he would be the first of his kind if he is that. My general conclusion is that he is a very passionate and driven person that genuinely loves this country and he, he genuinely loves the, the principles that made this country great, including not the DEI framework, including merit and effort, all the things that made him great. It wasn't, it wasn't that he got special treatment for being an Indian American. It was that he was more driven than his counterparts at every phase of his life. And that is quite evident after spending a week with the guy. I'm sure I can't imagine he has ever met anyone that's smarter or harder working than he is. And I'm being totally serious. And I, and I hold myself in fairly high regard and I am confident that he is smarter and harder working than me. <laughs> Significantly so. Um, just a very impressive human being. And I think a lot of people, because they've been burnt by Donald Trump or whatever their favorite politician is for the most part, outside of maybe Thomas Massey and Ron Paul, everyone has been let down. A lot of the, if, if I have any Democrat listeners still, which I, I'm sure I have a handful, uh, Barack Obama, you know, when he didn't end the wars and he got a Nobel Peace Prize after drone striking American citizens overseas and, you know, drone strike, launching more drone strikes than the George uh, W. Bush administration. Like, yeah, you've been let down. Donald Trump administration after spending into oblivion and not bringing all the troops home and, and uh, you know, the entire lockdown era, you feel let down. I totally get that. It's going to make you jaded. It's going to make you uh, untrusting of any future politicians. I don't even think that's necessarily unhealthy. What I do think is unhealthy, though, is if you get to a point of believing that nothing positive can ever happen, that there can't be... I mean, it's a very similar ph phenomenon when it comes to Javier Malay. You know, I, I have my own disagreements with him, but in terms of his rhetoric and what he's been doing in the first month of his presidency, pretty damn impressive. Really following through on a lot of his promises that seem totally outlandish and unreachable. Maybe Vivek is, is cut from that cloth. Maybe we are entering a new phase where the unthinkable becomes thinkable and the undoable becomes doable. It's not impossible. And I think what I've experienced, you know, after, after spending that time with Vivek and then getting back online and having a lot of replies from people that are very upset with me thinking that, you know, I've sold out because I, I wanted, uh, you know, exposure with Vivek or something like that. It's just totally untrue. Uh, there's also, you know, Laura Loomer and a bunch of other people accuse me of being, uh, you know, paid to cover him. It's just not not reality or paid to you know retweet stuff and paid to to have the opinion I have about him. It's just totally not true. 
I, I want to know if he's for real. That's it. I wanted to, to cover his campaign. Obviously I wanted to go out and do Timcast, but I also just wanted to, to be able to see, you know, firsthand, what is this, you know, what is this phenomenon? Is, is he, is he legit? Cause at the end of the day, despite the fact that the odds are extremely stacked against us, we really don't have much choice in terms of pursuing peace that isn't going to require some reforming of the federal government. Like if we're going like, I'm, I'm still, I'm focused on peaceful paths here. Like that is, that is my goal. Peace is always preferable until it's absolutely not. So I am interested in seeing what we can do to reform this system. I think the vast majority of libertarians are in that camp. Unfortunately, many of them have also given up all hope. They think that the system is irreformable, that there can be no, no such thing as an honorable person who decides to get involved in, in the government. Even though they, they know Thomas Massey is that guy. So like they know it's possible, but they just believe like there can only, that's it. There can only be one. He's the Highlander of, of honorable politics and that's it. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe he is, but I don't think so. I don't think so. And I think the reason that I come at this from a more optimistic perspective is because I am one of those people. I, I didn't need to be doing what I'm doing. I got involved because I cared. So I see that in Vivek. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting, maybe I'm seeing myself in him when I shouldn't. Maybe I'm, I'm thinking the best because I want to think the best of me. Maybe. I mean, I'm trying to do some, you know, self psychology and analysis here to make sure that I'm, I'm not lying to you guys or leading you astray, but I, I can only be as open and honest as possible and, and allow you to draw your own conclusions from there. But if we're, if we're going to reform this system, if we're going to salvage it, if we're going to hold on to these hard fought liberties that were enshrined in the bill of rights, like I, I'll grant you, it's not likely like the odds are certainly stacked against us, but I think that the odds were extraordinarily stacked against us when it came to the, to the formation of the bill of rights. I mean, unthinkably stacked against them. It didn't seem even within the realm of possibility. And I think a lot of people feel that today, but I would encourage you to dismiss those notions as rational as they may be and embrace a kind of, <laughs> kind of a psychotic optimism that we actually can prevail. That at the end of the day, most people do not want to have a government that crushes them. Could I be wrong? Sure. And you know what? Fuck most people. It's not about most people. It's about the intransigent minority. Those that are willing to do and say, and, you know, believe in a way that the average person can't. Vivek is that exceptional human being. One that dreams bigger than everybody else, but does, doesn't just dream works and studies and reads harder and deeper and longer than anyone else. I'm very fortunate in that I have an audience of people like that. That's my belief. I could be wrong. I'm sure there's exceptions, 
but I think that the vast majority of you are really exceptional human beings. And I am firmly of the belief that given the exceptional nature of those that, that believe what I believe in, that we cannot lose, that we will ultimately prevail regardless of the odds because we don't have an option otherwise. And we'll see what happens from there. Just kind of give a backdrop as to why I think that Vivek is the real deal. Here is his answer that preceded the Trump endorsement and everything else when he was on with Glenn Beck just a few days ago. Why should somebody vote over over Trump? Because your support is Trump support. I mean, he asked me last week who he should pick his vice president. Should he win the the um, <clears throat> the vote here, the the nomination? And I said Vivek. Um, I said he's he's a lot like you. He's a fighter. He can make great cases for the American people, et cetera, et cetera. And I think he's a young up-and-comer that would make a good president well, at some point. Let me let me say a word about that one, Glenn, actually, is, is you know what, I've been, I, I haven't really given that a lot of thought until a million people ask me that. And so I actually have given it some thought. And here's the answer to that question is, that would need to be a discussion with Trump, where I would say, listen, I want you to make sure we're on the same page. I don't want to build a new building for the FBI. I want mm -hmm. to shut it down. I don't want to have crony subsidies to carbon capture pipelines, I want to end them. I want to shut down many of these agencies. I actually do think we need accountability in our own Republican Party, that we shouldn't support the likes of Ronna McDaniel sitting in that seat, that we should on day one actually pardon every peaceful January 6th protester and see that through. Admit that there were some mistakes made in the past and we're going to correct for them with the vaccines and make sure that vaccine liabilities for companies, that they don't get a special shield from being sued. And I'd want to make sure we're on the same page about those things. Right now, I don't know if we are. I'm the only one who's taken a lot of those positions. But the way I'm looking at it, Glenn, is right now in this race, if I have that long list to say that in order to be vice president, I'd need an agreement from Donald Trump that he agrees with me and is committed to seeing each of those things through all the way through, yes, shutting down the FBI, not building a new building or reforming it. And if so, then you know what? I would honestly consider it. But right now, given that that list is long, here's how I'm doing it is, at a certain point, the list is long enough that you say the best way I can do this is actually by being the next president, leading from the front, and taking Donald Trump as my advisor to do the right thing for this country, which I will do if I'm the president. Today's episode of Liberty Lockdown is brought to you by Phoenix Ammunition. Competition-tested precision ammunition. This is the best fucking company on earth, as far as I'm concerned. PhoenixAmmo.com. They've already got great products, great prices. There are shit posters on the internet. Phoenix Ammo on Twitter. Dude's a fucking savage. It's a great company, especially during this rant. If you don't, if you don't feel like this is the place that you should be getting your ammo, you might be retarded. And I, I mean this with all seriousness. Like... If you need ammo and you're getting it, if you're a fan of Liberty Lockdown and you need ammo and you're getting it anywhere other than phoenixammo.com, you're actually certifiably retarded. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but it's true. I still love you, but it's true. Phoenixammo.com is the only place to get your ammunition. Sign up for their newsletter. Be a fucking base, Chad. Phoenixammo.com. That's obviously before uh, the Iowa results were in and before he decided to to stop his campaign and endorse Donald Trump. But the fact that he is in advance laying out the, his list of demands, that's, that's a kind of a negotiation with the King tactic that I like to see. 
and and you know if you if you haven't figured it out by now i very much agree with everything he said there you know pardoning peaceful people including assange that would be massive that would be absolutely massive going after the fbi uh, certainly not building them a new building massive <laughs> i mean these are like almost every critique that i have of donald trump at least in terms of rhetoric Vivek is putting as his his list of demands if he is to accept the vice presidency. Now I don't know if I don't know if Trump will acquiesce. I don't know if he'll actually give him those things. But negotiation 101, you say what you want. You ask for all of it. And then you negotiate backwards from there. And if we can get half of that list, it would be more of a pushback, more of a fight against the regime than anything we've seen in my lifetime. And that's the truth. Is it everything? Does it remedy everything? No, no. We're facing the, the biggest military, the most heavily funded, I mean, biggest state in human history. It doesn't come close to fixing everything, but you have to take steps in the right direction if you're ever going to get to where you want to go. And those that list that he just gave to Glenn Beck is a list of demands of what I'd want to hear. And he then did the media hit after the his uh, endorsement of Donald Trump where they met on stage and talked and he kind of gave him the, the thumbs up. And what did he say? He said, I talked policy. I talked to Donald Trump about exactly what I just told Glenn Beck. When I had the opportunity, I, I asked Donald Trump, can we have a meeting of the minds on our areas of disagreement? That's awesome. That's exactly what you'd want to hear. That's, I mean, it's not, that's not just what you want to hear, but it's quite clear based off of that chronology. That's what happened. He actually did that. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, if, if Donald Trump is willing to put him in a, in a position of power within his cabinet, and if, if Vivek is going to follow through on the, that list of demands, we could see more wins than we have seen in my lifetime, and it's not close. We've seen almost no wins. So forgive me for having a little bit of hope and optimism here, but we need it. If you don't have confidence, if you don't have faith in your own abilities, you're definitely going to lose. So those that have already given up, I completely understand why you have no reason for hope and optimism. You've already stopped fighting. I fucking haven't. I haven't even come close to stopping. I haven't even hardly started. So that's the reason that I'm, I'm in this to begin with is that, this shit matters a lot. If I'm going to have a country that I can raise my fucking family in, we have to win some of these key battles. We don't have a choice. There is not really a plan B aside from leaving. And as long as America is the ultimate empire of the world, well, leaving comes with it its own dangers. That the empire could turn its sights upon El Salvador or Argentina. You aren't safe. You, you can't run forever. You have to fucking draw a line at some point and say, we're going to have some wins peacefully. And that's where I'm at. And I think that if we can, if we can kind of set aside, not, not, I don't even want to say set aside pessimism, being pessimistic, it has its place, but you have to believe in yourself at minimum. And from there, you can expand your circle of trust to a few, a handful of other people 
that have a, a similar vision to you. That's how you build a team. I'm interested in building a team. I can't do this on my own. If I, if I only had faith in myself, I am not going to ultimately see the world that I want to live in. I have to have some level of faith and optimism about a handful of other people. And as of now, Vivek has led me to believe, he has convinced me that he is worth giving a shot, that he is worth being given that opportunity to prove us right or wrong. And I think, I think personally that he has what it takes, that he is made up of the right stuff to actually accomplish some of these tasks, some things that seemed unimaginable just a year or two ago. And Malay, having a, an anarcho-capitalist that gets elected as the president of one of the largest nations in Latin America, that was totally unimaginable not too long ago, and it happened. We need some wins. When you get a win, enjoy it. Take it in. Embrace it. Don't poo-poo everything and just immediately assume deep state plant, this dude CIA, you know, like, there's a lot of that. I, I talk about it more than probably anybody. But not everything is that. These people are not omnipotent. The people we're up against are not superheroes or supervillains for that matter, even though Klaus certainly speaks like one. They're not, they're not undefeatable. In fact, I think they are imminently defeatable. I think that they are totally outmatched when it comes to like the, the fiber of, of who we are and what we're made of. If you don't feel as if you're superior to those folks, like, really? Like, you think that they're, you know, devil spawn, but you think that they're superior to you? Come on, man. Come on. You're better than that. Sorry, I, maybe I'm overly optimistic because of what I just experienced, but let me just add one other thing about Vivek's team. Bunch of bunch of just killers, just go-getters in their 20s, brilliant, unbelievably hardworking, kind, optimistic, beautiful human beings. So inspirational to be around them. And just like it was like a like a beehive, just watching everyone just go, 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 go. Like and it and it really wasn't like it wasn't like a uh, top-down dictatorship by any stretch. It was like Everyone kind of had their own say. They were able to, they had autonomy. They were able to make their own decisions. It's like, it's exactly what you would want to see in kind of like an anarcho-capitalist commune almost, you know, just shared goal, shared vision. How do we get there? We're, we're not sure. We're going to, we're going to use everybody's best skill sets to try and get us there. Go. Fucking go. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> let's fucking go. So yeah, I'm fucking pumped. I'm optimistic. I feel I feel really, really good about what might come from not just Vivek, but his entire team, the entire movement, the entire inspirational kind of spiral that it's creating amongst uh, the Americans, the you know, just the people that believe in liberty. Same with Malay. Now let's get into Malay. Let's see what he had to say to the WEF. A lot of people were blackpilled on Malay. They said, ah, oh, WEF-affiliated plant, blah, blah, blah. Let's see what he had to say to the WEF today, huh? 
Today, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others, and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We're here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world. Rather, they are the root cause. Do believe me, no one better place than us, Argentines, to testify to these two points. Free trade capitalism as an economic system is the only instrument we have to end hunger, poverty, and extreme poverty across our planet. The empirical evidence is unquestionable. Therefore, since there is no doubt that free and enterprise capitalism is uh, superior in productive terms, the left-wing doxa has attacked capitalism, alleging matters of morality saying, uh, that's what the detractors claim, that it's unjust. They say that capitalism is evil because it's individualistic and that collectivism is good because it's altruistic, of course, with the money of others. So they therefore advocate for social justice. But this concept, which in the developed world became fashionable in recent times, in my country has been a constant in political discourse for over 80 years. The problem is that social justice is not just and it doesn't contribute either to the general well-being. Quite on the contrary, it's an intrinsically unfair idea because it's violent. It's unjust because the state is financed through tax, and taxes are collected coercively. First of these new battles was the ridiculous and un unnatural fight between man and woman. Libertarianism already provides for equality uh, of these sexes. The uh, cornerstone of our creed says that all humans are created equal, that we all have the same unalienable rights granted by the Creator, including life, freedom, and ownership. And we are here to warn you about what can happen if the countries in the Western world that became rich through the model of freedom stay on this path of servitude. The case of Argentina is an empirical demonstration that no matter how rich you may be or how much you may have in terms of natural resources or how skilled your population may be or, or educated or how many bars of gold you may have in the central bank. If measures are adopted that hinder the free function of markets, free competition, free price systems, if you hinder trade, if you attack private property, the only possible fate is poverty. In concluding, I would like to leave a message for all business people here and for those who are not here in person but are following from around the world. Do not be intimidated, intimidated either by the political caste or by parasites who live off the state. Do not surrender to a political class that only wants to stay in power and retain its privileges. You are social benefactors, you're heroes, you're the creators of the most extraordinary period of prosperity we've ever seen. Let no one tell you that your ambition is immoral. If you make money, it's because you offer a better 
better product at a better price, thereby contributing to general well-being. Do not surrender to the advance of the state. The state is not the solution. The state is the problem itself. You are the true protagonists of this story. And rest assured that as from today, Argentina is your staunch, unconditional ally. Thank you very much and long live freedom. Damn it. Put it in my veins! Ah. God bless Javier Malay, man. Going into the lion's den and telling them the state is the problem. These people are in fucking Davos every year talking about how the state is the answer to everything. And he walks in there and he says, the state is the problem. Do you know how important this is? Do you know how vitally necessary this is? Uh, just assume for a second that Javier Malay and, and Vivek Ramaswamy and Donald Trump, everybody, everybody's controlled up. Okay. Okay. What about the fire that they're, that they're igniting with this rhetoric? What about the people that are listening and internalizing this and going and picking up Rothbard or Mises and starting to, to deep dive these rabbit holes and figuring out that the central bank is actually what's destroying their way of life? What, how, do you, how do you put that flame out once it's ignited? It ain't easy. What if you do it on scale? What if you have a billion people all over the world that read it, that internalize it, that become as passionate and as psychotically optimistic as I am? How do you stop them then? You don't. You get out of their fucking way. And you hope. You hope that they're kind enough to forgive you. This is why I'm pumped. Okay, maybe Malay fails in Argentina. Maybe Vivek gets no opportunities in the Trump administration. Maybe Vivek has proven to be a fraud ultimately. None of it is actually relevant to what I'm talking about. I'm talking about igniting a flame that cannot be extinguished. That's what they're doing. And they're doing it to the faces of the people that are responsible for the downfall of civilization as they use flowery rhetoric, as they try to explain how they are superior to all of us, how the technocratics ought to have control, how they have a moral clarity as to their own superiority, that they have complete certitude that if given infinite power over every man, woman, and child's life all over the world, that if only that would happen, if only we would stop thinking for ourselves and expecting to be able to do things of our own volition, that then all of our problems would be alleviated. They're wrong. They're evilly, evilly wrong. And we have, we have people now that can go into these events and say so with, with passion, with facts, with statistics, with the history to prove it out. That's fucking incredible. I am so inspired. If you're not, check your pulse. What the fuck? I mean, what the fuck? This is amazing. This is amazing. What an unbelievable time to be alive. We have an anarcho-capitalist that's the president of a goddamn nation with 50 fucking million people in it. What are we talking about? There's no hope? You have no hope. The like A totally unthinkable thing just happened, and you are hopeless. Well, then give up already. Pack it in. But you know what? For those that haven't given up, stop dragging us down. 
Allow the people that are passionate to get the fuck after it. If for no other reason than your own potential well-being. You don't know what I might go out and accomplish. You don't know what Vivek might go out and do. Or Malay. Or even Trump in his second term. Who knows? Maybe the dude has actually learned something. Maybe. I'm not saying it's likely. Odds are probably against it, but maybe. Have a little fucking hope. There's miraculous things happening all around us. From Bitcoin to decentralized communication to encryption to, to you know, people finally embracing libertarianism and sound money. To people being sick of the endless wars. To people actually realizing that $34 trillion of debt is not sustainable. To actually thinking about these things on a high level, not superficial. To be able to say so with passion and studiousness to actually understand what the fuck you're talking about. There are more of us right now on earth than ever. I am not hopeless. I will not give up. Sorry to get so jacked, but I'm fucking serious about this shit. I want a goddamn planet that my fucking kids can be safe in. Do you? Have you given up so much that you have just written off the future of your, your progeny that you don't care what happens to them? Because if that's who you are, then you need to look in a fucking mirror. You need to get back in this game. It's not over. We're not even close to the end. Is it dire? Are the odds stacked against it? All of that. Yes. Yes. Is it over? Has, has the shot clock expired? Is the, is the fourth quarter, are we down by three touchdowns with 30 seconds? No, the fuck we're not. No, the fuck we are not. We have time-tested, beautiful ideas to counter these utterly shitty ideas that are being pushed on us by some of the least impressive, most worthless human beings that have ever walked the face of the planet. And you think we can't win in light of that. What the fuck? I'm sorry. No. I'm not going to lose to these people. You're going to lose to these people? Are you fucking kidding me? It's ridiculous. Elizabeth Warren. She's going to ruin cryptocurrency? She's going to destroy Bitcoin? No, the fuck she's not. They're not going to fucking win. Okay? So just put it in your fucking brain. Grab a chip. Put it in your brain. We're winning today. And, ne and the next day, and the next week, and the next month, and the next year, we're going to fucking win over and over and over again. Will we have setbacks? Yes. It's inevitable that we will. But at the end of the day, liberty will win out. The spirit of humanity will not be extinguished as long as people like you and I are breathing. Are you breathing? <gasps> yeah, me too. We're breathing. Have some fucking hope. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Clint Russell, Liberty Lockdown. If you guys want to pick up any new Tower Gang merch, uh, toplobster.com. He's my homeboy. He produces new Liberty Lockdown shirts and shit like that. There will be a link in the description. If you want to grab some of the new gear, it's all super high quality and not, not crazy overpriced. Uh, you know, inflation hits all of us. What can I say? Uh, most importantly, I wanted to remind you guys that I will be in Jacksonville, Florida this weekend, the 20th of January, and then I will be in Georgia the 27th with Tower Gang. Uh, these are both libertarian state conventions. So instead of giving you the links, if you're interested, just Google 
Libertarian Party State Convention Florida or Libertarian Party State Convention Georgia, and you will find the event and make sure that you guys come out and say hi. Despite the fact that I yelled at you for 80% of this episode, I'm really actually nice. When you see me, I'll give you a big hug. We'll, you know, we'll do a little dance together, you know, whatever you want to do. Um, but yeah, and most importantly, if you want to support my work, X at Liberty Lockpod, subscribe over there. I will follow you back. Oh, you know, that's an easy way. Or if you're not an X user, easiest way is libertylockdown.locals.com. If you care about this message and you have a nine to five and you're just like, I, I, I don't have any ability to actually get this message out to more people. Well, one, you can share it. Or two, you can actually support the people that are doing that work. For whatever stupid fucking reason, I've dedicated my life to this. Okay? Like my life is totally committed to this, to spreading the message of freedom to anybody that wants to hear it. And if you appreciate that I'm doing that, the easiest way to do so, libertylockdown.locals.com, sign up to become a supporting member and fund me as I travel all over the world getting paid dog shit to scream about how we should be free. It's a pretty fun thing to do, but it's not very lucrative. So libertylockdown.locals.com, make sure you share the show, hit the subscription button, leave a comment, hit the like button, fucking, you know, then give your mom a hug and tell her that you're really lucky to be alive and that this is such a fucking beautiful existence and a place to be and let's get after it this shit ain't over let's fucking go welcome to liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it